0: Coast and a great day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dyes, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of EloquenceOnline.net in beautiful Ubranville, Texas, Republic thereof. This is the Power of Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question: If your brand were a band? Would you leave the audience wanting more? What if your brand represented hundreds of great community banks all across the beautiful state of Minnesota? Because that's what we're talking about today. We've got Jim Amundsen with us. He is the president of formerly the Independent Community Bankers of Minnesota. They're now called Bank in Minnesota, and that's great advice. I have an absolute love affair With Minnesota, back in 2004, my family went up there on vacation. We've been going back ever since every year. Talk about leaving the audience wanting more. Minnesota's been leaving my family wanting more for almost 20 years. And in that great state, there are great community banks that have a tremendous advocate in Banking, Minnesota. And we're going to talk to Jim about that today. He gives one of the best answers to the question about the inequities in the community banking brand space between community banks and credit unions. And if there's anybody out there that's willing to have a rational discussion about it from the credit union side, you're welcome on this show. I would even host a debate on this show. But when I reached out to the Minnesota Credit Union Network, I first of all, I couldn't get a hold of anybody. The first time I called the Minnesota banking office there, Bank in Minnesota, Dino answered on the first ring and stayed on the phone with me for 20 minutes. Just a wonderful, uh, gregarious gentleman. We had a great phone call, and I want to thank Dino for help setting up this interview because I'm really looking forward to it. Minnesota is a beautiful you don't always hear about them. It is a state of very friendly and modest and humble people. If you hear anything about Minnesota, it's often bad news from Minneapolis. Let me tell you something. There is a lot more to Minnesota than Minneapolis, I assure you, and the great community banks that do business on Main Street. Like I said, have a tremendous advocate. So we're going to talk to Jim Amunds and we're going up to Minnesota and we're going to do it all right after this. For over 12 years, conference quality information without the rubber chicken dinner and without the expense report. This is the one and only Power of Performance podcast. Welcome to the Power Performance Podcast.
1: Hi, Jason. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so
0: great to have you. We're excited. excited. Well, Jim, we know what you do now, but let's turn the time machine back a little bit. What was your very first job in banking?
1: Well, I came out of college and had an interest in joining uh, uh, the financial services world and ended up with a uh, great organization uh, um, that was kind of a super community bank or a large regional community bank back in the early 90s, uh, Marquette Bank. They were around for a number of years, uh, ended up selling kind of their last local franchise to... uh, a large Wall Street bank, uh, too big to fail bank, I'll put it that way, back in the early (laughs) 2000s. But long story short, I came out of uh, college and joined that great organization um, and uh, was actually an internal auditor. Um, I knew that I didn't, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't fancy myself a lifetime auditor, but it was um, a really great training ground for me to learn you know every aspect of a really solid bank you know i could see everything from operations to compliance to lending to sales to marketing you know, i mean all those things that we had a part of uh, within the internal audit department and the access that we had to the people
0: um, was really beneficial to me and helped shape a great career in community banking it sure sounds like it. I got to ask, early 1990s, so you weren't really worried about internet banking and mobile apps and social media, were you?
1: <laughs> no, the uh, you know the the work programs around cybersecurity and, and
0: other things were were nothing like they are today. That's for sure. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, we're heading into the final quarter. Of uh, actually, when we broadcast this, we'll we'll be heading right into the final of 2022. So tell us, was it a good year for, for banking in Minnesota? Yeah, I would say overall it has been a good year.
1: Um, you know, kind of classified as maybe a return to normal. Um, t- to a certain extent, 2020 and 2021 were oh, for sure. you know, very unusual for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, very skewed numbers in terms of loan growth through the PPP and non-interest income and other things that were happening during that time period. But, um, you know, so if we look at more normalized numbers here um you know i still see that uh you know our banks the fundamentals are there they're still seeing some um i would say more typical balance sheet growth um to, you know their deposit levels seem to be holding strong you know yields have come down a little bit um but ultimately you know there's there's potential for that to kind of reverse course as the rate environment is is changing significantly um you know really the fundamentals are. Asset quality and capital, um, two important drivers of their health and success. Um, You know, those metrics a, you know, I'm looking at second quarter numbers, so we'll see what third quarter looks like, but I expect that that will continue. And so, you know, strong asset quality, good capital levels, earnings are, are, um, you know, respectable and, and, um, you know, very strong in some cases. Uh, Loan growth, you know, again, kind of returned to more normal levels, but it's still there. I would say the only you know, one area that's probably changed for most of our members um, is in the non-interest income area and, and the mortgage origination business. Um, you know, the refi market has pretty much been tapped out and, and dried up, you know, given some of the changes in rates. And, you know, the purchase market um, is certainly
0: changing as well with the change on the rising rate environment. You mentioned, of course, that we've been to this incredible situation, COVID-19, over the past two years. I've said this numerous times on the show, and I was excited to ask you about this. I'm convinced that without community banks, specifically community banks, not the big banks, the community banks, the banks that do business on Main Street in towns all across this great country of ours, in towns all across Minnesota, Easter weekend, they figure out that PPP program I'm convinced community banks saved this country from an economic depression—a literal economic depression. Am I exaggerating, or is there some truth to that?
1: I don't think you're exaggerating at all, and I, I don't—I don't know that anybody could dispute it if they look at the data. Um, and I don't hear very many, very many people trying to dispute it. But I, uh, over the last year, or 18 months, anytime I get a chance to address a group of our members, I usually include a. A sincere thank you on behalf of the people that may never thank them, but um, you know the stories of these these bankers coming in at and you know working at two three in the morning, hoping that they can get into the SBA portal that they needed to get into to take care of customers and non-customers. You know these these small businesses that had been with a larger bank um, and couldn't even get through or could, could not get a phone call returned, didn't have a relationship with anybody at that large bank, um, and you know, they they call their local community bank, and as you said, on Main Street, and that you know that bank didn't say, well, geez, you're not a customer, so we can't prioritize helping you. They did what they had to do to prioritize helping those businesses and and family farms, and so it's it's there's no doubt that without community banks, that program would have been a a colossal failure. Uh, the credit unions didn't show up, uh, the large banks didn't show up
0: uh you know community banks carried uh carried the day in that program no doubt absolutely 100% you mentioned credit unions i got to ask you I, I i work in both worlds but lately over the past few years the the tone coming out of the leadership in credit unions has been a redundant cacophony of banks are bad banks are bad banks are bad well, we just talked about the fact that banks rescued this country from economic collapse. I, what, what are your thoughts? I just have sensed that it's gotten a little more strident, a little more overtly political, but I know people that work at banks, and they're not bad. People generally are good. Are the credit unions going too far with this banks are bad mantra?
1: Well, I certainly think so. Um, you know, I, I used to tell people that um, – You know, comparing a community bank to a uh, big Wall Street bank is like comparing uh, my son's Little League team to the New York Yankees. I mean, they're both baseball (laughs) teams, but they're very different. Um, And so the the general term banks, when people hear about, I mean, that could be, you know, Goldman Sachs and their investment banking business. That could be, you know, so the term in general, I think, is, um, uh, is, you know, where we want to try to draw a distinction between. You know, what is a community bank? Why do they matter? How are they important? How do they make a difference in terms of lending to small businesses and family farms and first time home buyers and all of the things that they do and make sure that, you know, the average consumer understands the difference and that we're not being lumped in with, um, cause there has been some, you know, there, there have been some bad actors in those large banks. They've been doing some pretty um terrible things and uh we need to make sure we draw that line
0: and i can tell you from paying attention to the credit union marketplace the leaders in the credit union marketplace go out of their way to avoid the distinction between goldman sachs and a community bank in wabasha minnesota and of course there's there's the ongoing debate about credit unions they don't they don't pay taxes it gives them an advantage in many respects from a fiduciary Standpoint, And I'm guessing uh, whether you're, you know, the, the old name or the new name, that's going to be something that your team continues to advocate for a fair and level playing field in America's community banking brands, correct?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's, um, you know, to your point earlier that there's kind of this uh, irrational uh, um, approach or irrational messages um, You know, we would just like to come to the table and and have an honest examination of where things have moved to. The You know, the laws and, and, you know, the programs put in place that granted the tax exemption back in the 30s, those were, um, there were very specific limits around, you know, how they could operate, what they could do, who they could serve, um, you know, that sort of thing. All those, most of those, uh, the vast majority of those, restrictions or you know the things that they agreed to in exchange for this tax exemption have really been chipped away at and almost don't exist at this point uh, you know the field of membership the um, you know all those things that go along with you know granting them that tax exemption in my opinion they've moved away from that they're they're operating and functioning um, you know just like a a full-service uh, commercial bank, and, and yet they enjoy, you know, in essence, in our state, about a 40% advantage uh, on their earnings and on their pricing to um, benefit themselves and, and continue to, you know, capture more market share by by benefiting from that tax exemption. And nobody wants to even talk about it. You know, we're, well, we, well, we have a bill in our st- state that we've been working on just to examine the issue of uh, credit unions buying tax paying uh, banks, you know, so that you have a tax-exempt entity taking a, a tax-paying entity out of the marketplace. They have a pricing advantage in trying to buy that bank. And, and we just want to, you know, before the hole in our tax revenue becomes so large and we wake up and say, oh, wait a minute, was this a good idea? Should, is this something that we should have been promoting and incentivizing in the marketplace? Um, we'd like to have, you know, we would like to form a work group just to study the issue. And, and they're coming out against us so so uh, vehemently that it's it's like, well, what are you hiding? What are you afraid of? Um, why, why can't we have a rational conversation about this? So, I mean, that's just one example in our state, and, and we could cite many more nationwide.
0: That is one of the best explanations that I've ever heard to that question, <laughs> by the way. There is some irrationality to the reaction when you ask about it. You know, when when you're... When you have children and they react that way, you think, well, they must be hiding something. And so I'm sure you guys are going to stay on top of all of that. Uh, As I mentioned in the setup, Minnesota is absolutely one of my favorite places, a place I discovered quite by accident. Tell us what is unique about Minnesota and why it's so important to have people working in those great community banks that understand the great and friendly people of Minnesota. Well, it's a great question. I, um, you know,
1: the the attempt at humor side of me would say that we were either bold enough or foolish enough to elect uh, Jesse Ventura as our governor, uh, a former pro wrestler, uh, but that's, you know, not our only claim to fame, I guess. You know, it, it, I'm a lifelong resident, so I'm a little biased, but, um, you know, I do think it's a great state. We we are a, um, a fairly heavily taxed state, but I, I do think that that comes with, um, and we can debate some of the details. But it, it comes with a great um, quality of life, um, good roads, good, you know, great parks, uh, good education. Uh, you know, there's room for improvement in all those areas, but I think it's it's a great quality of life. As I think about, um, you know, we have great natural resources, a lot of diversity within our. Um, I guess the, the experiences you can have within our state, you can go, you know, prairies in the south, bluffs in the south, you know, um, decent ski hills in the north, uh, you know, the lakes. I, I think in the the four seasons that we have, the, you know, real four seasons, they are there certainly, uh, <laughs> it's obvious when we move from fall to winter and winter to spring and our summers are great. Uh, you know, we, the lakes, uh, you know, we're the land of 10,000 lakes. I think we actually have about 1100 more than that technically but and that's not even the most in the country but we uh it's it's just a big part of um you know kind of our our lifestyle because we do make the most of our summers given how short they are and how intense our winters are but you know high quality of life um, we've had our challenges over the last uh, couple of years and we certainly have some things that uh, need some attention and probably need some um, resources devoted towards in terms of improving you know we've had some challenges with safety and crime and and other yeah. things, but hopefully uh this coming election we'll find some leaders that can help us uh, address
0: that. I sure hope so it is a it is a beautiful. Place. I am looking at a picture that I had posing with a beautiful real bald eagle at the Eagle Center down in Wabasha, and my wife is convinced I'll have the best zoo, the best zoo in the country (laughs) in Minneapolis. So, if you're you're looking for a vacation destination, a place that you've never been, trust me, folks, you you will you will not find a more friendly group of people, and it's hard for me at the Texan to admit that. And the wonderful folks up in Minnesota. Well, hey, listen, I know you're a busy guy. I know you're hard at work, but nobody works 24 hours a day. When you're not at work, what kind of things do you enjoy doing?
1: Well, some of the things I just mentioned. We do have a a small cabin on a a small lake. We uh, love to spend time there as a family. Uh, Certainly, uh, I am a golfer. Our uh, our whole family loves to golf. So there's a a small uh, municipal course up there that we spend some time at. So that's uh, something we enjoy doing. I'm, I'm a big reader. I do love to sit down with a good book. Um, you know, I'll read all sorts of things uh, try to learn something uh, or be learning something every day. Uh, my wife and I love to, we have a great restaurant scene here in the Twin Cities metro area. So we love to try new restaurants and, and good food and, you know, food we haven't had before. So I don't know, that's kind of a big part of, you know, what takes up time outside of work. But um, I'm really, you know, I love this role, and I love this, you know, being an advocate for community banks, and it is a, definitely a more than full-time
0: job, and, and I enjoy doing that. And, of course, excited about the name change. Uh, ICBM is now Bank in Minnesota. That came out at your 60th annual event this year. That's going to be a process as you all move forward, but I'm sure you're very excited about that as well. <laughs>
1: We are. We're very proud of it. Um, Very excited to represent that brand. And to some of our points earlier, we have, uh, back in 1962, our original articles of incorporation uh, referenced us being a a voice to the public in general. And and that has been a a board priority that we've been working on. Um, And we had some, you know, we got some good professional advice that indicated, you know, to try to do that, to be a more public voice with a brand like ICBM might be a challenge, and so we uh, we're going to go out um, with this brand and help us talk about some of these issues and, and inform people and educate people on again why are how are community banks different? You know what is a community bank? Uh, how do they how are they different from credit unions? I talked to you know countless lawmakers that you know you would think if they're either in DC or at our state capital that they would kind of know the lay of the land, but they don't. Um, uh, they they have no idea that they don't pay taxes. Um, so, I mean, just, and, and most, most, the average consumer doesn't either. You know, I mean, I, I talk yeah. to people every day that uh, and that topic comes up, um, have no idea. And I don't know if that'll change their view of it or move the needle, but, um, you know, we really want to be that voice to help elevate our industry, highlight what we do, the, the, you know the people that I represent, the banks that I represent, are terrific people, and they do good deeds in their communities every single day and they're not they're a humble group uh, they don't they don't shine the light on themselves um, very much if at all and and we want to be the group that you know shines that light on them and tells those stories and helps you know gives them the tools to um, elevate themselves in each of their communities and you know, work on resources for consumers, whether it's financial literacy or other topics, that we can be a, a trusted source for good advice, uh, for the uh, answers to the questions that they have about, you know, their first home loan or saving for uh, college or whatever it might be, that we can we can be that uh, trusted source for them and that they're, you know, right around the corner <laughs> and very accessible to them and they can talk to a human being. But it's going to be a great brand as a... Trade association and for our members and something we can be proud of but we really want to bring it to the general public um, you know, our state fair is going on right now we have visions of being more visible uh, at next year's state fair and helping deliver some of those message uh, you know whether we can pull that off or not I don't know but
0: those are the types of things that we're working on well, I think it's great. His name is Jim Amundsen. He is the president and CEO, it used to be, the Independent Community Banker of the Minnesota, ICBM. Now it's going to be Bank in Minnesota. And if you are banking in Minnesota, you've got a great trade association there working hard for all the great community banks all across the wonderful state of Minnesota. Jim, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to join us on the Power of Performance podcast. Thank you, Jason. I enjoyed it. Oh, me too. Minnesota, Well, I knew we were gonna run a little long today because I was so geeked up about having Minnesota on the show. I wanna thank again Dino and Beth for helping put this together. And I'm just gonna tell y'all straight up, I used to be very ambivalent about the whole credit union taxation thing, but I'm not as ambivalent as I used to be. When you've got Penn Fed credit union buying a $10 million Learjet, when you have these credit unions purchasing these bad banks This is not financial equity that the credit unions always talk about. And I'm looking forward to having further conversations with my friends in Minnesota because the credit unions have become very strident and very political. They want to see the marketplace as this bifurcated marketplace. Well, I spent a lot of time in credit unions and I know how to beat them and I would love to help the community banks of Minnesota tell the people in Minnesota the truth about how credit unions are operating with an unfair advantage when it comes to taxation, but worse than that, how they are wasting the member owner's money on a lot of things that have absolutely nothing to do with the fiduciary role that a credit union is supposed to play in the lives of its member owners. So now you know. And once again, If anybody at the Minnesota Credit Union Network knows how to answer a phone or return an email, you want to come on and respond, happy to have a debate here, happy to host a debate right here. I won't hold my breath. Thank you so much for listening to the Power Performance Podcast. My name is Jason Dias, and until next we speak, we'll talk to you all next week. Take care. And of course we got to get out of here with some earth, wind, and fire. For 12 years we always play at our first show in September.